All right, what's up, guys? This is Matt from the Human Animal Podcast. We are back at full force today. Nate and Jake, boys, how you doing? Yes, I'm doing great. I'm uh, today. I I told you earlier today is just a good day. Well, we should share that this is an awesome week for Nathan this week. And actually, I think this is probably our most exciting news that we're going to have for the whole podcast. Yes. Well, that that is an awfully big statement. Um, I don't think so. I I don't know. I don't know. I, I people, think uh, I, I people think, are excited. I, I think new human beings are awfully exciting too. Those are exciting. Did yeah. you did you announce that you were getting married on the podcast? I, That's pretty big news. I, That's well, what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Did I just did I just you just blew it up? Yeah, oh, yeah. I thought the job. But. <laughs> no, that's not the most exciting thing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I, okay. You get married in two days. Yep. Oh, well, that I'm is definitely Saturday. the most exciting thing. March 8th. I'm excited. Be oh, there. Man. <laughs> be there. Be square. <laughs> no, um, yeah, so I'm actually, tomorrow, I'm heading up to uh, up to my hometown, Muncie, and, um, and my dad will be performing the ceremony um, in their living room, nice and small. Um, you know, just immediate family, but it's, uh, very exciting, but I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where, um, it's so surreal. You know, it's like, I'm kind of in a haze. I've been in a haze for the past like two weeks of like, wait, hold on. I just realized you don't, you didn't have a bachelor party. You know, it's kind of funny. I'm going to have a post bachelor party. Yeah. Because I know you, you guys are going to have another celebration later on, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, bigger for uh, you know for much more of the family. Um, still, it's like my family is gigantic, um, and her family is is not. Um, and so you know, it's just kind of like, well, let's have aunts and uncles, and you know, and and immediate family and all that. But if I opened it up to cousins, there would be like a, just a ludicrous number of people there. Yeah, um, you know, which. It, logistics is sometimes sobering but oh well and to be honest it's the after party that's fun even for family members it's like yeah sitting there and watching them say their vows and whatnot is that's great but really we're there to party <laughs> well i mean I, i'm not i'm not gonna i mean for me i would say definitely the best parts of the ceremony <laughs> But um, as as a guest at a wedding, I wouldn't necessarily argue with you there, you right. know, because it's I mean, that's really um, where everyone gets to participate in, in being joyful. It, d- it depends yeah. on your seat. I've, that's I've, true. I've been I've been standing up there for a couple and I've gotten to see some just epic faces. You know what I mean? Like the moment they see each other and just the face is just one of my favorite moments. The only the only problem we've always had with this is. Why do the the bride and groom? Why can't like the groomsmen actually look at the groom? Why isn't it crisscrossed? You know, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to be able to see my brother's face or like my friend's face more clearly, and instead I was just you know, it's symbolic, Matt. I know it's, it's symbolic. We got your back. Like, but I'm telling you, it's like front row tickets. You know, you just want to be there. It's so awesome. It's cool to see the face. Yeah. Um. We're yeah. We've kind of. What's interesting is we're all. I feel like we're all three of us in a period of transition right now, which is pretty. It's cool. It's exciting, um, but the podcast is still going strong. Yes, it is. This is our anchor. Yes, <laughs> this is my rock. This is, this is what is going to drown us when we try to come up for air. <laughs> so um, we're pretty excited about uh, everything that's going on, and for today's episode. 
which is something that is long overdue. Yes. We are going to be kind of diving into some of the philosophies and concepts behind natural movement, uh, MoveNet, parkour, all these different disciplines that we have kind of experienced and feel very passionately about and that inform a lot of our decisions. Um, This is a little bit off the cuff. A a lot off the cuff. This is a lot off the cuff. (laughs) But um, I think that this is just the thing that brought me into MoveNet and natural movement in the very beginning was just something that, that spoke to me very primally in the beginning. Um, if you haven't seen the video yet, the work, the workout, the world forgot. It's a video by Erwan Lacour, who's the founder of MoveNet. You can find it on YouTube. It's got, I don't know, five hundred thousand views, yeah, maybe more. A really buff guy. Yeah, doing awesome stuff. Just basically moving in the woods, climbing, climbing up rocks, jumping into streams, swimming alongside logs, moving stuff around, and he's doing it all barefoot and bare chested beneath the the sun on some island in the Mediterranean, and you're just like, yes, <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> but I think. A lot of people, and this is a response I've had from many people I talk to, they respond to the idea that humans were meant to move in certain universal ways. There are things that kind of unite us in our biology and our anatomy, and they're not always, they're not going to be exactly the same, but there are gross patterns that we can all connect to and recognize. And it makes sense for us to think, man, if I look at how much I move now and in what ways I move and how different that is from how my body is capable of moving, they can sense that disconnect and that makes sense to them. Like something in there just makes sense to them and they're interested. And that's the hook, right? And I think in some some ways and other parts of the fitness and nutrition and everything industry we have a lot of people that have a hook but it doesn't always pan out once you get a little bit deeper into it but this is one i think that does pan out yeah so like and if you want examples for ones that don't pan out even paleo or like primal eating which we love Saying, oh, if it wasn't in the paleo era, we can't eat it now. That doesn't really pan out. It's interesting in the beginning. It gets people like, oh, that's yeah, that's an interesting thought. But that's not the whole story. That doesn't pan out all the way down. We still eat olive oil and people eat almond cookies and all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? So there's, mm-hmm. there's more to it than that. Um, I mean, we can see we've had this discussion before. I think I've mentioned this before. But, oh, how do, how do cows build muscle they do it by eating vegetables and grass so we should be able to do the same thing and at first people will be like oh that's that makes sense to me so i can do that but again it doesn't pan out when you take it to its full fruition right but this one that we are meant to move in this complex variety of ways and that not doing that is is detrimental to our psyche and our health does pan out Boom. Right there. <laughs> no, it's, um, I, I, I guess for me, you know, e- even beyond just kind of like, um, 
you know, it, it just makes sense a little bit is, um, the, the feeling that I get when I move that way of like, um, when I actually, um, when I am moving kind of like this morning, I was telling Matt, um, I decided to go off of my workout plan a little bit and I just kind of did whatever I wanted to do for an hour. And my one rule in my head was I am just not going to stop. I'm not going to sit. I'm not going to like rest. My resting can just be walking around and, you know, feeling the turf, uh, you know, underneath my socks. Yes, I work out of my socks. Um, but, you know, it was, why aren't you going full barefoot, bro? Well, <laughs> you know, it, it's there's something about like full barefoot. that's just like I don't I just it feels indoors. It feels weird. I don't know. Oh, it doesn't feel weird for me, but it probably weirds out other people. I don't know. See, I have no problem going like barefoot, like walking mm-hmm. down the sidewalk barefoot. Like I, I love being able to feel um, like the ground below me and the grass and mm-hmm. the dirt and the, the stones and the, the pavement. I don't just that feels good. Um, and not always the sharp ones, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um Anyway, so and that kind of gets back to this this more natural movement of being, of moving in ways that are uh, rewarding uh, biologically and um, psychologically, and for me, you know, going out into a yard and you know, uh, you know, picking a couple heavy things up and moving them around, and then bear crawling around and then playing tag with a dog and, um, you know, maybe playing catch or, um, dodgeball or, you know, doing these things, moving in a variety of different ways. It just, I just feel happy. Like just thinking about it kind of raises my spirits, you know, just this physical expression of myself and not neglecting my physical being because, you know, I am an animal as much as I try to, um, try to kind of rise above that, um, you know, those connotations, you know, I, I am an animal, so I need to take care of my physical self because I'm a physical being. I'm not just online. I'm not just a, you know, a series of ones and zeros that interact with other ones and zeros. That's, you know, if it was that way, it'd be really simple, but, uh, you know, I, I have to take care of this really complex organism. And, you know, for me, that joyful movement is one way of how I do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think your your point of we're all animals is scary for a lot of people to think about. Um, so we like to think we're you know, more than an animal. So we, we put ourselves in these very unnatural situations that you going that uh <laughs> you know oh that's got something to say <laughs> yeah you know we're we're constantly in these unnatural uh, situations and, and and looking at ourselves like we're not and we're not subject to all the same laws and um you know kind of response to nature that all the other animals are i mean you ever notice that when you go on a hike and you're walking through the woods that you just you can get a sense of just calmness over you you know if you think about going on a really challenging hike and you know where you're climbing a steep grade and you have to use your body in a variety of ways that it's almost kind of like a puzzle 
And so you, you're, you're also like using your mind to navigate and traverse the, the terrain. And so like it's, it's an easy way to utilize your environment and, and use your body in a way that it was meant to be used, you know, stalking food or stalking our prey, you know, um, or just getting to that bush that has the, the most ripe berries on it. Um, so it, the ability to move in our environment in, in a multitude of ways, um, it, it just speaks to us in our, you know, at our very nature. Oh man, there's, there's a big breath. That I know. I, I'm, I'm sensitive. I'm trying, man. I'm trying to, I'm <laughs> trying to organize myself. I mean, this has been my passion for a long time and I spend whole weekends coaching other people and other coaches on this stuff and just talking about it nonstop. So I could, I mean, we literally could turn this into a 12 hour lecture if we wanted to. Yeah, I, I do not doubt it. But I don't, I don't think we're going to have any listeners by the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I alienate some people. Yeah. So uh, first thing, Jake, something that you said, you know, there's this great concept that comes from Erwan about uh, us being zoo humans. And that if you think about an animal and being caged and how it how it can affect their health and their psyche and their physical nature. Really, what we've done is create shiny cages for ourselves in, so, in some ways, because we are creating environments that are restricting our movements to certain patterns that are restricting our capability and our creativity, because creativity is highly, highly linked with play and movement, highly linked. Look at Google's uh, offices. Yeah. You know, they're wide open with basketball hoops all over the place where people are They're moving. allowed hour a day for just creative expression, projects, whatever. It doesn't matter if it goes anywhere, but you just work on stuff. Creativity is its really interesting the more you study play and the neuroscience behind play and movement. And um, so if we think about these kind of artificial environments we've created around ourselves that make us feel comfortable within our kind of self, our man-made boundaries, you can see how over time that would still atrophy our edge, our abilities. Um, and it's something like, you know, I went up to the Indianapolis Zoo a couple months ago with uh, Valerie, and I left feeling really conflicted. Because I know that there's like this preservation idea with these different species. But I just kept looking at the size of the cage and the size of the animal. And I know they have other areas to go to. But I mean like India's downtown. And in downtown Indy. There's not a lot of places to go to. And there's elephants and rhinos and hippos. I'm just thinking about like an elephant. You know if you watch Planet Earth you know how far it migrates it migrates like vast distances and now it's just walking back and forth in a pen. Just uh, so it's something about it, something in me, it kind of, you know, that kind of spoke to me about that idea of being a zoo human as well. And, um, the number one thing that's making you a zoo human is your chair. So if you want to take action right now, it's simple. Get rid of your chairs. We are all sitting in a chair right now, so I feel like a hypocrite. <laughs> Only because of the technology binds us to the desk and the microphone. <laughs> Freedom! 
Um, <laughs> but this is something I, I actually consciously do. I, I consciously avoid chairs as much as I can. Simply spending time sitting on the ground in different positions, shifting positions. Uh, something you can think of uh, that can help guide you is there is no perfect position. Your perfect position is your next position. And by position, we really mean movement. We, you want to be constantly moving fluid. Uh, not like you have, like, you know, Tourette's. Just, just simple, mindful movement. And that would be one place to start. The other thing we can think about when we look at movement in general is how do we categorize movement? And this is another one. I, I think that MoveNet is great because it's created a system for us to kind of analyze these movements. But where I've found it to be limiting is when you, const you constrict your thinking to buckets. This is something I got from Robert Sapolsky, um, who wrote uh, uh, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Mm, okay. He also uh, has some free... He, uh, teaches at Stanford and he has free online courses that you can take like his intro courses to psychology, sociology, different things. Really interesting. And one thing he talked about is how once you have a bucket, everything fits in that bucket, right? So if I'm a chemist, everything, I see everything through the lens of chemistry and I try to fit everything into that lens. Or, uh, I think with movement, like if we look at categories, like Locomotive, manipulative, combative, as our three major uh, movement like categories. Then we want to fit everything into the bucket, rather than and and f find balance, rather than just moving in the first place. Sometimes so it's just there's always a danger with systems, and I say this as my my job is now shifting to primarily creating systems for movement and nutrition. <laughs> Uh, at force, but I've, I'm always, I'm tempered. My, my thoughts are tempered by the, the realization that, you know, once I have a hammer, everything looks like a nail and not getting caught up in that, in, in that mindset too much. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I guess on a little bit of a pragmatic note, um, if, you know, I, Let's say, you know, I'm I'm a person who's 45 years old. I haven't moved in about 20 years, you know, mm -hmm. like worked out in like 20 years. And, um, you know, I've I have very little time and I'm stressed all stressed out all the time. How do I, you know, and I, I've had chronic back pain and my hamstrings are super tight. You know, I can barely get my fingertips below my knees. Mm -hmm. Like, how can I possibly like just get up and start? you know, playing dodgeball or running around in the woods or, yeah. you know, it's like that, that seems, um, and I'm, I know I'm kind of leading you and I, you are but, leading me, but, um, like that, I, I can definitely see how for some people that would be just an astronomically large, um, a barrier. So I have three different things. One, this is why sometimes you need a coach. Because and why the coach needs to understand the movement categories and understand what bucket you're in for right now. Because of our upbringing in this modern environment, there are going to be restrictions potentially in the beginning to what you can do. However, there needs to be a really clear focus on two things. 
progress, not perfection. Anything in the right direction is in the right direction. And taking the fear away from movement. That is a huge one. And that's something that I I really feel passionately about. And actually, Nathan, you and I were just talking. I'm going to be doing an Ignite five-minute talk about um, getting back to movement, taking the fear away from movement. Yeah, essentially a TED Talk. A TED Talk. Yeah. It's a five-minute talk with with slides in the background. But that's my focus. And uh, right now we're running the Free Fit Guy Academy, which is a six-week, once-a-time, one-time-a-week course at Force, which is focused around building people back into movement and letting them explore movement. And really, my goal is to take the reins off as much as I can. And um, so basically... How you do this, how you, this person, what I would take this person, it starts with perception. Okay. Their perception of their own current state, of where their body is at that time, their perception of what scares them, what's going to scare them in movement, and having respect for that, but also reconnecting their mind and body. We, I've said this before, but we think of our minds like, uh, you know, sloshing around in a giant meat bucket and they're, you know, that is our body and they're just completely separate and being aware of when you're sitting in your chair right now, how much pressure is on one cheek versus the other cheek? Are you shifted one way? Where's your shoulder position? How, where's your center of mass and how is that interacting with gravity? What points of contact do you have with the earth right now that are supporting you? These are the lessons that I start my academy off with. Just one lesson a week. We build on them each week. And what ends up happening is now we cr- we reconnect you almost academically and through and experientially. We reconnect you with these sensations that we've kind of tuned out or become numb to. And once we retune your body to be aware of those things and re- for you to start intuitively recognizing them and reacting to them now you're in a position where you've taken the shackles off and you can start exploring things safely because rather than needing someone to tell you you can or can't do that your environment tells you you understand based on your body and your environment around you what you're able to do and you stay within that and you just push the barrier a little bit every day So if that means all I can do is sit in a chair and I kind of march and I pick one foot up at a time and I practice placing it in different places or I try to touch my elbow to my knee or I can't get my elbow to my knee so I get my hand to my knee and I just work on that, that's a step in the right direction. We, You know, the biggest issue with all of this stuff is just uh, a lack of appreciation for time, for understanding that the process is the fun part (laughs) and that the time it takes to get to what your perceived endpoint is, is not a burden. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's been said before, it's a result of our want it now culture, our fast food culture. Give it to me now so I can be distracted by something else and never have to think about anything important. Just saying. <laughs> Whoa. Um, that that cut kind of deep. Thanks, Apple. Um, <laughs> blame the iPhone for everything. Yeah. And I have one. 
Makes me another hypocrite. God. All right. So, but that's where I would start. Nate, does that make sense? Like these really basic perception drills? Maybe I should even try to put some of these perception drills online or something. You know, I honestly, I think that'd be great. I, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I, I realized is, um, through the, through the free fit guy Academy, once people get a little bit of confidence and aren't afraid to look a little foolish, some really awesome things happen and people start creating new movements. They, I mean, not new movements, obviously every movement's been done, but they start creating new situations. They start reacting differently and they build each other up. It's so cool that, um, I really, it's really amazing to see Valerie came to take pictures for us last night and she left just saying, wow, I've never seen a, a session, a class like that before. I've never seen people moving like that before. She's like, if that is what you guys could offer, like on a, a 10 per, we had 10 people in the class and just me run, walking around coaching. She's like, if that's what you could offer 10 to one, then your entire business should be like that. Because it just it it works when we make people unafraid to move. Mm-hmm. Confidence. It, it, it gives them it gives them confidence in in their bodies. You're bringing it back, and, Nathan. And it and it gives them you know license to um, to have ownership over themselves. You know, it's like what I, I guess one thing that's I found just horrifying is that it takes another person to tell someone what they can and can't do with their own bodies. It's like, and that, that to me is, is kind of astounding of like, I I feel like people should be able to understand where their limits are and what Mm -hmm. they can do and where, how they can move in a healthy way and what makes them feel good and what makes them feel bad and kind of be in tune enough with that. You yeah. know, but you know, it, it's, you know, it just kind of comes down to like being aware and mindful of your body. Have you ever, I was just talking about this with a, a client today, intuitive stretching. I love intuitive stretching. Like literally just get on the ground and find a position that feels good and hold it for a little bit. And then find another position that feels good. She was dealing with with a rib injury, and we were modifying her program, and I gave her some starting points. And then, you know, she just started going. She was like, oh, man, over here, this just feels really good. I was like, stay there. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that that's bad for you. You know, I mean, I mean, obviously, there's exceptions to the rule, but the rules. And we use a screening system and place people in buckets because – we've been forced to because of the modern lifestyle. Yeah. Well, it's just the, the lack of mindfulness. Yeah. yeah. And giving people an awareness of what's going on. Yeah. It just sitting here listening. It, it just makes sense. You know, when somebody's movement environment is the same thing every day, you know, you, you, you get up out of bed, you go make breakfast, sit down, eat breakfast, sit down in the car, drive to work, sit down at work, and you're at your computer all day, get back in your car, you go home, you sit down in front of the TV, eat dinner, lay down, go to bed. Why would you feel confident in any other type of movement? You aren't doing it, so you, you don't know what it feels like. You you know, mm-hmm. it's not kind of fresh in your mind of what it feels like. And, and so people feel uncomfortable doing, you know, most movements 
because it's not part of their everyday life. So when you change your movement environment, like, hey, when was the last time I sat on the floor? Not in a long time. So maybe sit down on the floor and just work on standing up. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, where does somebody start? Put yourself in a situation that you're not normally in that, you know, is, is safe for you mm-hmm. and stand up. I, I feel like this is, and this is the other thing I was going to say, this is the gap in our movement industry right now. We have people that deal with pain and movement dysfunction. And we have people that are conditioned to do extremely awesome things. Like I, I look at the, the people in the parkour industry that show all these amazing movements and you're just awestruck. Cirque, uh, Cirque du Soleil, like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. I want to do that, but it feels so far away. What we don't have is a celebration of the first steps and the intermediate steps. We don't have YouTube videos of people simply playing tag online and then being lauded for their just their steps in the right direction. We don't have uh, videos of people sitting down on the floor and then learning to get up in different ways because that's not sexy. And what we need are people that are educators that are willing to go out there and just start with the basics and enjoy the basics and revel in the basics and make other people feel confident in it. Yeah. yeah. I feel a, I feel a blog post coming on called like building your flow and like showing some basic yeah. movements and how you could start connecting them. I think yeah. that could be another cool thing. It's challenging because basic, like you said, it's not sexy. And so somebody comes to you and they're like, okay, you're the expert. And you go, okay, get on the ground. And they're like, what? you're the expert. You should be giving me some complex thing that I can't figure out on my own Mm -hmm. when it's, it's so very basic that it's, it's almost silly. You know, I I think that that may actually be part of the the problem is that um, people expect coaches to give them something that is inaccessible and really what coaches, what a good coach will do is give you, something that is accessible and empowers you as an individual to excel and exceed and to grow and to build. And, um, and that is a good coach, like not someone who hands you something of like, here's this ultra complex thing. Just keep doing it and failing until you eventually get it. Like, which you won't, if you keep failing, which you won't, if you keep failing, (laughs) you know, it's like that, you know, that is, you know, uh, is it Icarus pushing the boulder up the hill? I can't remember. Icarus who. is the guy who flew cl- too close to the sun. Oh, I don't know. My fault. Anyway, but yeah, um, you know, it's like you're pushing a boulder up a hill only to have it roll back down again. You know, it's like you're not going to get anywhere. Um, but if if you take steps easy, so, um, you know, do things that feel easy. Get really good at those. And then take a half step forward i have to still tell people because you know i'll have them baby crawl which is on their hands and knees with their eyes up and they're just like seriously and i'm like yeah just so you know i do this every single day i'm still trying to get better at the basics yeah i'm not just skipping them yeah and and all the professionals you see who do all that crazy awesome stuff they also practice the basics all the time Mm -hmm. lebron james and Dwayne wade still do dribbling skills Mm-hmm. and shoot jump shots 
it's mm-hmm. the foundation. Yeah, it's that the everything foundation else is for built everything. On. Really quick, a note on good coaching because this is something I'm really obsessed with. To your point, I think good coaches. Um, I I feel like there's a lot of over coaching in the industry because we under prepare people to be at where we say they should be. What I mean by that is if I try to teach someone to clean and I am giving them 600 cues and they're still not getting it and they're just completely overwhelmed, well, you miss something. You miss something way down the line and it literally could have been soft rolling with one leg. And we're so afraid to stick with the basics and not do something that's flashy that we, we, you know, just brush over those first steps when those are the foundation to everything. And a good coach not only is good at teaching you the basics, and because and, really if you think about it, if I'm telling you pay attention to your environment, your environment is your coach. Pay attention to your body, your body is your coach. Then you're like, well, why do I even need a coach? Well, you need a coach because your body can be effective at doing something, but that doesn't mean it's efficient. And that's just this, the difference. That's why you go to a master and you pick, you take those two things away that just change your outlook that little bit. And now you are efficient and you are, uh, you are going to be able to do that movement safely with less energy, more fluidity. That's, that's what a, a great coach should just be there to give you the one or two things that take you from good to great. So stop freaking trying to fit people in your bucket which is your uh, oh i'm a kettlebell guy so i need to get them to do freaking kettlebell snatches and i don't want them to be bored with what i do stop trying to hit everything with a hammer use the appropriate tool and guess what the most appropriate tool for almost everyone you see the first time is to get them on the floor and make sure they know how to move their body period this would solve all of our young athletes getting hurt early on or like knee surgeries, knee surgeries, shoulder surgeries, everything. Yeah. It would solve everything. If people would just have some patience and not feel like they had to get something spectacular out of it right away. Yeah. Well, like I, you know, I would challenge anyone to do a slow-mo baby crawl and like really, really slow and just feel that movement. It's not simple. And it is not easy. It is something that is complex. You know, you're working a lot of different muscles all at the same time. There's a lot going on. Even the basics can be something that you really delve into and find fascinating and interesting. And you can really spend a lot of time perfecting it. And if you're someone who's already moving, so we, we talked about people that are scared to move and they're in the basics. What about the CrossFitter? What about the avid exerciser who's out there moving all the time? They feel like they're moving in a variety of ways. Why would they need to move naturally? Why would they need to look at some of these primitive patterns and get back on the ground if they're already performing well? Why would they have to go outside and walk and do a hike? Well, let me break it down for you. The body is a nonlinear system. When we give consistent inputs, we will get better at things, but we, are n- we lose resiliency. Or what uh, Nassim Taleb would call anti-fragility. 
We lose our anti-fragility. Our body is built to have a wide variety of inputs and try to find the signal within that chaos noise. That's how our bodies work. So if I'm just consistently, this is uh, consistently going to the gym three days a week and lifting deadlift, squat, bench press. I'm going doing my cycling class for an hour at a high intensity three times a week. I'm giving all these inputs. I'm I'm getting relatively good at responding to those inputs and to nothing else. And by training naturally and building your foundation, your base wide, you give yourself the capability to adapt. The brain, the more movement capability it has, the more variables it's used to dealing with, the more quickly it can um, adapt to a new situation. Because a lot of times we know this, movement is taking these different these different individual pieces and it's blending them together and then from there it's improv uh, improvising. And so think about this: if your movement foundation is broad, now I have so many different connections I can make to respond to a new situation. And that's why people get hurt when they only do strength training because they're on, they're wearing out one piece. There's nothing they can respond to. You should be able to walk and step off a curve and have your knee buckle in and be okay. Mm -hmm. You should, because your body should be able to respond to that appropriately. When you were a kid, it was fine. What changed? You should be able to take a tumble and get up and be okay. What changed? We limited our inputs. We limited the number of movements we did. And you want to know what the easiest way to, to make sure you're having a wide variety of inputs is? get outside because mother nature works the same freaking way. It's cold one day, hot the next day, dry one day, wet the next day. You think that's not going to change your simple baby crawl? It will. So boom, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I feel, I feel this is such a joyful thing for me and I feel angry now. <laughs> well, this was a, that was a two boom. <laughs> I, I got know. two booms in one pot. Yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. that, <laughs> That should be the name of our next podcast. Two booms, one pod. <laughs> <laughs> My mind goes bad places. You, you, <laughs> you, know, you know what we should do? We should like tag the booms of like boom is here and then have it like, um, you know, have it, have it rewind back to the beginning of that rant. Yeah. So you know that it's like, oh, this is a good one because it has a boom. Yeah. <laughs> Start of boom. Um, I mean, that's that, why uh, the, the martial arts and the gymnastics, that's why, you know, we feel that those are, are, are probably the, the best types of um, organized sports. Yeah, sports yeah. to participate in. Move For in such sure. a variety of ways. I just talked to, yeah. I was just said that to my wife last night. I was like, when, when baby's here, I don't want to push them into doing anything. But if we can, <laughs> those would be the two things I would choose. Those would be yeah. the two things I would promote. Because I, I still see people that have those backgrounds move better. Oh yeah, no, it's, no, no. They, it's, like they're a sponge. There, there is no question with the experience that I've had. The people who are active as young people and young adults, whether you know, and it, it even makes a difference between uh, people who are just not moving and people who are moving in very linear fashions. There's a big difference between those two and people who are moving in very linear fashions and people who are moving like martial artists and gymnasts and uh, track and field athletes. Like 
there's a big difference in how how they respond to their environments even much much later in life it's it's fascinating to me just how quickly some of those people adapt to new stimulus it's amazing something scary uh you know i i know we're all about the same age and when we were kids I don't know about you guys, but I spent a lot of time outside, a lot of time riding my bike and my big wheel and going to the park. And I don't know that that's the way it is anymore. I feel like so many kids are spending additional hours inside that it's it's really scary to think that they're they're not cultivating that that movement base as a young individual and they're going to go into adult life having never moved. So we're going to have a, uh, as, as Tupac said, a race of babies who don't know how to move. He didn't, he didn't say that, but it was something close. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to train under Tupac. <laughs> Come out of hiding. <laughs> um, yeah, it is sad. Man, that was really depressing. But you know, and You're I welcome. think that, I think there's, dude. I really do. I really think there's a strong ground movement. I think there's a grassroots movement growing right now. We have people like Dr. Kwame Brown, um, who is uh, functional, functional play, fun. Yeah. Fun. Um, and he has he has in his entire website. If you go and sign up, it's like twenty bucks a year, and you get access to a laundry list of game ideas just to start playing. And the idea is just get kids playing, just get kids playing and moving and enjoying. Because the other thing is, like we said, we want to take the fear out of movement. We don't want movement to feel like a chore. That's not the idea. The idea is not to like set up an obstacle course for you to get out of bed and get to the kitchen every morning. Though that sounds awesome. I'm going to do that immediately. (laughs) But it's not, but, but it's not, if it's a chore, if it's just, I got to duck under this thing and crawl over the shark pit again. Like, that's not the idea. The idea is that it's fun and and joyful. So um, just playing, just finding things you can do. Mm -hmm. And if you need help, look out. There are people out there that want to help. Yeah. Send us an email. Send us an email. We'll give you some play ideas. Heck, we will. If you send us an email and and you outline... What your what your situation is, um, we will sit down on this podcast and we will talk only about you for forty five minutes and where you could start. We just want emails. I dare you. <laughs> boom, three booms. I uh, like honestly. That, was that I, was that boom worthy? That I feel was like you're no 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 no. That was a game changer. Okay. That was a game changer, and here's why. Okay. We are. I really want to do this, by the way. I hope you guys email us because, to me, addressing what you guys have and the situations that our listeners are facing and speaking to them directly, that is direct. That is affecting them as individuals, which is the ultimate goal of this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, So, to me, that's a game changer. I really, really hope that you guys email us and, you know, kind of lay it out there. You know, we won't, you know, we won't use any names unless you want us to, um, you know, and just 
you know, there are, there are people out there who are, have a similar situation and who can benefit from knowing that others are out there dealing with the same thing and that there is a way to, um, to respond. There's a, there's a healthy way to respond. There's a way to, to feel better and be healthier in any situation. And, you know, you can, we can help you and you can help other people. So boom, I'm calling it. All right. That's that's his official title. He's the boom caller. Dr. Boom. Dr. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) So where can people reach us at? They can reach out to us at the human animal podcast at gmail.com. It's all one word, no caps, no spaces, no periods, no nothing, just straight up. Or they can like the Free Fit Guy Facebook page and send me a message. Beautiful. But you have to like it. You have to like it. I know. I don't know, do you? I yeah. hope you have to like it. Yeah. I think so. I have gotten three, either way. Why wouldn't you like? I've it? gotten three messages from Facebook. They were all very similar, and they were like from, like, I don't know. I feel like it was it was strange. They were like all three like European, not like sounding women who didn't like have command of English completely, asking me about one post I wrote four years ago that had documents attached to it that are no longer there. It was like starting a personal training business, and I talked about these like initial questionnaires I had gone through with Valerie, and they stink, so they're not on. I don't have them posted anywhere because I, I mean, it was the first thing I ever did. Of course, I was going to stink. They're like, "Do you have these?" And I sent message back to one of them, and they got really upset with me. So now I don't, I don't know why, but I've had three different people email me about the one post. Hmm. I feel like I'm getting spammed. They're trying to discredit you. I think I'm getting spammed. Where's the KGB? That stuff's crazy. Yeah. Did Did you hear that Putin was was uh, nominated for Nobel Peace Prize? Was he? Yeah. It's just kind of interesting. I'm waiting for the punchline. No, it's. I'm just scared. I'm scared for humanity. I wonder how much you paid him. I don't know what's going on with all that stuff. I'm so in my. I'm in my movement, fun, living life bubble that sometimes I feel like. I just don't know what's going on anywhere else. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, probably... I, I guess that's the curse of studying journalism. Is mm-hmm. that I just I can't get out of that world. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're sitting here with an NPR shirt on right now. I am sitting here with an NPR <laughs> shirt on right now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, keep moving until, you know, keep moving regardless. But yeah. hopefully nothing terrible happens. Yeah. Let us know about your, uh, if you have any questions about your situation. I just, I could not be more excited Uh, to hear what you guys have to say and what questions you have. Stay classy. Thanks, guys. Have an awesome weekend. All right, till next time.